thank you, Olivia, for that uh, nice opening. Miss Olivia is one of the young ladies here in our community. Great to have her part of our opening in our service this morning. Good welcome to everybody here on this snowy Sunday morning. Special welcome to those listening on the radio. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of Marie Haberkamp. You may greet the family this afternoon in the Heritage Room from 4 to 7. A service celebrating her life will be held tomorrow at 11 in the morning here at First Church. The white rose on the altar is in honor of Miss Haley Vogel, who will be celebrating or uh, having a baptism today. We welcome her and her family who are here for this special day. Congratulations to Luke and Erica Howe on the birth of their son Beckham this week and to the grandparents Mark and Barb. And we've had more. Congratulations to Justin and Victoria Bruns and Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, Evelyn Grace was born last night, shortly before 6 p.m. Everybody's doing well there. The children's Christmas program will be next Sunday following the service. It will be at 10.30. So there will be a time between our service and the children's program at 10.30 for Christmas cookies and coffee in the Heritage Room. The giving tree is up in the back in the sanctuary supporting the Baby Boutique at Elizabeth New Center in Sydney. Danielle, Clinton, Reagan, and Benjamin, would you guys come up and help us with lighting our Advent candle this morning? practice. Um, We gather around the Advent wreath today, knowing that we are not perfect, that we all make mistakes and do bad things. Only Jesus obeyed God fully. Jesus helps us to live as God wants us to live. Jesus gives us peace. Our first scripture is from Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is peace, for Christ is called the Prince of Peace. Christ's name is also Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus gives us peace. Our second scripture is from John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's all bow our heads for a prayer, please. Eternal God, we thank you that through all the years you have given peace to your people. Help us to have your peace in our lives. In this Advent season, we pray that you will help us shine the light of your presence to those around us so that they may also have peace. Amen.
And now, please rise. And inside your worship folder is a song we'll sing as our opening song. Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. seated. This time I want to invite forward the family of Hazley Lynn Vogel, her parents Cody and Nikki Vogel, as well as godparents Macy Vogel and Mitchell Kellermeyer. They're coming forward. Just like on a highlight, you know, as as you all know, I'll, I'll 
The two of you stand over here. That'll be great. You can have your cheat sheet here on the music stand too as well. One of the things I like to, to point out with, with you know, as, as often happens with elders, you know, we have an elder assisting with the baptism. And, and if there's a family connection, we often invite, you know, uh, even a former elder if that's the case. And it's just a special day today because we have two people that can help out with it. Larry, of course, is Nikki's father, and Chad is Cody's godparent. And so it's just a great connection to see, see that and, and have both of them up here to be a part of this as well. Um, Today is also being Advent and celebrating the birth of Christ. It's a special time to celebrate uh, the sacrament of baptism as well. It's just a, a joyous occasion. It's always fun to celebrate new little ones as they come into families and come into the church, but especially at Christmas time as we celebrate the birth of Christ. It's just a special occasion to, to be able to do this today as well. So I invite you to hear these words of Jesus, an invitation and a promise offered to us all. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command that the church baptizes believers and their children. Peter, during the first sermon at Pentecost, says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so, Cody and Nikki, I I invite you, having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Hazley be baptized? Praise God. Now, obviously, as I've as I've mentioned many times before, Hazley's a little too young, although she's very interested. Uh, she's a little too young to to make a confession or profession of faith herself. So, as her parents, I'll ask you the following questions to to hear your profession of faith as the same faith that you will teach her and instruct her in as she grows. And so, I ask you to respond to the following questions: Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? And do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciple, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. Now, church, let's uh, share in this, in this faith together by reading from the Apostles' Creed. The words are printed in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again, and He ascended into heaven is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. 
Draw her to yourself just as Jesus welcomed the children during His ministry. And may she grow to love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so since you have presented Hazley for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Hazley by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. Well, when we baptize children and, or dedicate children, it's not just a family affair, but it's also something the whole church participates in as well. As, as the family of God, as the body of Christ gathered here in this place, we want to encourage and support you and know that you have our loving support and prayers as you raise your child, and, and uh, we want to come alongside you and encourage you in that. And so, and so church, there's a, a charge printed in your bulletin as well, and I'm going to I charge you with that, and I, re- I encourage you to respond by reading together the words printed in your bulletin. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Hazley into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church. For we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Amen. Now here's the exciting part. I'm going to have uh, both of you help out, Chad, if you don't mind holding the bowl, and Larry, if you don't mind holding the baby, and we'll make this happen. There you go. Hazley, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life if we put our trust in you. We pray for Hazley. Bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to her the riches of your love. Deepen her faith. Keep her from the power of evil and enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also ask that you look with kindness on Cody and Nikki. Let them always rejoice in the gift you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Hazley to know you, love you, and serve you with, serve you and her neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. We have a, a gift for you. We have a Bible and that you can share together as a family as well as the, the certificate of baptism. Congratulations. As you uh, find your seat, I encourage you all to take a moment and greet your neighbor as the children come. Good morning. Oh, I don't think we are all awake. Can we try that one more time? Good morning. All right, there's some smiling faces. Is anybody up for a trip today? No. You have a Barbie doll. Well, we could maybe bring your Barbie doll on our trip, but we're going to take a trip today. Okay, we're going to take a trip today. So 
what happened this morning is we were lighting the Advent candle, and the Advent candle is getting ready for Christmas. And what happens on Christmas? Who do we sing happy birthday to? Baby Jesus. What? You have a baby brother on the way, too. Yes. So, anyways. <laughs> not, okay. So, we're going we're gonna to go on a trip because this is a trip in getting ready for baby Jesus' birthday. And I brought my GPS with me this morning. And I think this is called GPS because it's called God's positioning system. God positions us in our lives to be exactly where he wants us to be in exactly the right moment. So we're going on a trip, and the first thing that happens on our trip is an angel appears to Mary. And what did that angel tell Mary? Do you guys know? What was, Jojo, what's your mommy going to have? The baby. So the angel told Mary, Mary, I'm going to have you have a baby. And it's not just going to be any baby. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be the king of all kings. Okay? So back then, it was not. He died on the cross, yes. So then Mary, her soon-to-be husband was Joseph and an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, listen, you've got to be by Mary's side, okay? She's going to have a baby and he's going to be Jesus. And I want you to help raise him. So that was the next spot on our GPS trip. The third spot on the GPS trip is them heading to, where was Jesus born? Starts with a B. Bethlehem. Yeah. So they were on a trip to Bethlehem. So they were finding a house. Did they find a house? No. Did they find a, a hotel room to stay in? No. What was Jesus born in? A barn, a stable. He was born in a barn. Now, would you want to be born in a barn? Me neither. But Jesus was born in a barn. So over the barn was what twinkles up in the sky? A star. And over the barn was a star. Now, here's on our next map. Who saw the star? There were two groups of people. What was the first group of people that saw the star? The wise men saw the star. And what was the second group that saw the star? The shepherds saw the star. So they now, oops, my GPS went down. They went and they followed their GPS route to go follow the star. And they brought gifts for baby Jesus. And they ended up in Bethlehem in front of baby Jesus being born in a manger in a barn. So basically what I want you guys to take away from this is that God positions us in our lives 
in the exact right moment at the exact right time. And it's there for a purpose and for a reason. So you guys want to bow your heads and we'll pray. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these little children coming up here to learn more about you. Lord, you have great, great adventures for these kiddos growing up in their lives. Let them see you throughout their GPS journey and always have you in their hearts. In your name, in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Shelby. Let's pray together again. Father, thank you for this Advent morning. Uh, thank you that as we gather together this morning and, and celebrate new life, Lord, uh, we're ultimately pointed to the new life that you've made available to us through Jesus Christ and through his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. Thank you for the, the peace that that brings to us, Lord, that, that though we are sinners, though we have been separated from God because of our sin, you have made a way for us to be reconciled to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. You have brought peace, Lord, um, to us and, and made that possible. And Lord, we also look forward to the, to the day when peace will reign on earth, when your kingdom comes in its complete full, uh, fullness, Lord, um, and we can celebrate and rejoice that there is peace on earth once again. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would bring that day, uh, bring it quickly. And Lord, as we, as we live here in the in-between, in this in-between time, as we continue to, to deal with the reality of sin and, and the effects of sin in this world. We ask for your grace, especially with those who are, are listed here in our bulletin. We pray for healing for those who are in need of it. We pray for your provision, Lord, where it's needed. And in all things, Lord, we pray for your presence, that you would be with those who are suffering, who are, who are dealing with hardship, Lord, um, and make yourself known to them and be a source of peace and hope and love and joy, even in the midst of those difficult times. Lord, we pray knowing full well that you are able to meet our needs and that you are a loving and compassionate and gracious God who wants to meet our needs and and supply whatever it is, Lord, that we need in the given moment. And we know this is true. We know it is uh, that you are faithful, Lord, because of the the witness of your son being born and, and coming to this earth to live among us. We pray all these things in his name as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Our offering this morning goes to support the Ministry of Mercy Unlimited Jail Ministry for Auglaise County, and the choir will be singing an invocation for Advent.
I invite you to remain standing as we read for our scripture passage from, for today, coming from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. If you have your own Bible or would like to follow along one of the Pew Bibles, I encourage you to, to do that this morning. Once again, that's Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. I invite you now to open your hymnals to number 123, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
may be seated. Father, I thank you for your word, which is a lamp for our feet and a guide for our path. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us now as we study your word together. I pray you'd give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. Last week we took a look at the first of our uh, Christmas songs. Uh, We looked at Mary's song and her response after visiting her cousin Elizabeth and being confirmed and, and reminded of the hope and the promise that she had been given by the angel when he visited her, that she was to give birth to a son, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Uh, and we talked about how Mary's response was, was that perfect example of faithful obedience and trust in response to the way God was working in her life and the grace that he had extended her. And we talked about how that was a model for us all to follow, right? A model of, of what it looks like to faithfully respond and worship and, 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 and trust towards the Lord. Um, I don't know about any of you, but I look at that and I think, man, I wish I could be like that all of the time, right? But how many of us actually live up to it? How many of us can say that we are like Mary and respond faithfully every time the Lord nudges us in a certain direction or every time we, we open our Bible and read something about, about what the Lord is doing in our lives or the way that we know He wants us to respond and yet our response isn't always, let it be unto your servant as you have said, right? No, we don't always respond that way. Mary's a great example and, and she's one that we can look to for that model But I think most of us would probably relate a lot more to Zechariah than we would necessarily to Mary. Zechariah is the father of of John the Baptist, the husband to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. And and we see here in these opening chapters of Luke that the story of John's birth and the story of Jesus' birth are really intertwined. There's kind of this back and forth narrative going on. And it's actually John that's talked about first. It's John's birth that is that is uh, announced to Zechariah as he's serving in the temple in the beginning of of Luke chapter 1. And it's only after that that Jesus' birth is then announced to Mary. And so uh, as we look at at Zechariah and his story today, uh, I think we can all, I think if we're honest with ourselves, relate more to Zechariah's response. Uh, That's probably a more common experience for us than Mary's response. But it's also something that we can learn from as well. See, Elizabeth, who was, who was Mary's cousin, was old and barren. Zechariah was a priest who was working in the temple. And while serving there, an angel visits Zechariah and informs him that they will give birth to a son named John. And we see that described in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. And I'm not going to read that whole section for you, but it's something uh, to, to maybe just skim over in your own time. But there are certain things that the angel tells Zechariah about this son that is to be born. And I want to highlight those for you this morning. Uh, Those are found in verses 11 through 17. The angel reveals that this son was prayed for by Zechariah and Elizabeth. We see this common theme throughout Scripture of of a child or a family who was barren, right, looking for a child and desperately praying to the Lord for for that child. And so John was uh, right in line with many of those other families we see in Scripture. John was to be a source of joy for Zechariah and others. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. John will be filled with the Holy Spirit from before birth. You see that in verse 15, which sets John up to be like one of the many Old Testament prophets who are described as being filled with the Holy Spirit throughout their ministry. 
John will also lead revival in Israel. He will minister in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Elijah is one of the Old Testament prophets, uh, famous for, for ministering during a time during Israel's history when they had turned away from the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. And Elijah, Elijah helped to point people back to the Lord. And in Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets found in Scripture, in chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, says, Look, this is the Lord speaking through him, Look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers and their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And so God's people were expecting Elijah or, or someone like Elijah to come and to prepare the way for the Lord. And the angels revealing to Zechariah that his son John would be that person who would prepare the way. And then finally, the angel says that John would prepare people for Jesus' ministry. He would point people towards the Christ, towards the Messiah. And that is in fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5 where it says, A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain excuse me, and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, that's the... That's the, the announcement, that's the information that Zechariah is given uh, at, the, at the announcement of his son's birth. And like a good priest, right, like a faithful follower of Christ, or follower of the Lord who was serving in the temple, his response was, what? Are you sure? How can this be? Right? We see this trained religious leader responds with doubt and uncertainty, while we also, as we studied last week, this this young teenage woman responds with faith and obedience. So it's this interesting contrast that's there. But I think it's there for a reason. And it's so that we can learn and experience and relate to the doubt that Zechariah had in his mind of how, how God is working and what God was about to do in and through his family. See, one of the things we can learn from Zechariah's song is that Christmas is for all of us, including those who doubt including those who struggle with uncertainty about God's plan for their lives. You see, we need both Mary and Zechariah. The trained religious leader doubted while the teenage girl responded with trust and faith. Mary is the example for us to follow, but Zechariah is the example that we can all relate to. Common responses to God's leading in our lives tend to be, Who, me? God couldn't possibly want me to do that, right? How can that be? God, you wouldn't really want me to serve in that area, right? right? Those are the common reactions and the responses that we all have. I've been there. I know that. I understand it. We think God must have been mistaken. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> we feel like God must have been mistaken in his call. But we realize through Zechariah's story and throughout Scripture that God is able to work through our doubts. Zechariah's uncertainty, it didn't hinder God's plan. You see, the honest prayer of faith 
is like the man who Jesus encountered whose child was sick. And Jesus said that in Mark chapter 9, that, that you must, he must believe. And so the man responds, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. I love that because that's such an honest response of faith. I believe, help my unbelief. I put my trust in You, Lord, even though I don't understand and I doubt and I have no clue how this is going to work out. So help me to trust You in and through that doubt and uncertainty. And the Bible as a whole does not shy away from doubt. Just read the Psalms. It's full of poems and songs and prayers that deal directly with doubt, uncertainty, and even outright anger toward God. You see, it's not about whether or not you'll have doubt. You will. It's not whether or not you'll be unsure of God's plan for your life. You will. Right? That's a common experience that we all face. The question is, what are we going to do with that doubt? How are we going to handle it? Are we going to bring it to God and work through it with Him in order so that He can work in and through that and strengthen our faith and strengthen our trust in the Lord? Or are we going to allow our doubt and our uncertainty to drive us away from the Lord and put a wedge in between us and Him? I love Doubting Thomas, the, famous, the famously skeptic disciple. After Jesus rose from the grave and, and, and started to appear to his disciples, Thomas wasn't around for the first time. And so he hears the report of, of, of Jesus being raised from the dead and that he is alive today. And he says, listen, I'm not going to believe it until he's standing before me and I can put my fingers in his wounds and I can see for myself that he truly is alive. And wouldn't you know it, right? Jesus appears right there. And Jesus says, look, come, place your fingers in my wounds. Come, place your hand in my side. And Thomas responds by falling down and worshiping the Lord. And he's actually the first of the disciples to make the confession, my Lord and my God. He goes from doubt to trust because he, he brought his doubt to the Lord. And, and, and Jesus invited him to, to bring that doubt and to test it out. And it was through that, it was through engaging his doubt and bringing it to the Lord that he was able to finally make that confession of faith. Some of you today may have doubts about Jesus. You may not be completely convinced about this whole faith thing. Christmas is for you too. Jesus, the Son of God, was born in order to make the Father known to us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. We no longer have to wonder what God is like because we see it perfectly in Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection. And so Jesus confronts our doubts head on. He just asks that we do the same with honesty and openness towards Him. After Zechariah's doubt, he had nine long months of silence to think about and contemplate God's work in his life. It says that he was unable to speak until John was born. Maybe there's some of us here who need the same treatment, right? We need, to, we need a prolonged time of silence to really think and contemplate about the Lord's work in our lives. But in the end, Zechariah broke his silence by praising God for the coming Messiah and his newborn son who would pave the way for him. So Christmas is for doubters like Zechariah and like us. May we work through our doubts and like Zechariah, come out the other side praising God. And so uh, we can learn two things then from this the song of praise that Zechariah, Zechariah composes the day his son is born, nine months later after this announcement. 
first of all, we see that Christmas points to God's mighty salvation. The first half of Zechariah's song is dedicated to the Messiah. You'd expect after nine months of silence and, and his son being born, that he would immediately praise God for the birth of his own son. But no, he spends the first half of this song praising God for his salvation and his deliverance that is to come through his Messiah. You see, he recognized that John's significance is derived from Jesus' significance. John, his own son, would prepare people for the Lord. John's entire ministry was about pointing people towards Jesus. And so, knowing that and understanding, it's no surprise then that Zechariah spends time praising God uh, for, for the Messiah before he turns to his own son. He says that he has come to his people and to and redeemed them. It's interesting to note here that he has put these things in past tense. These are things that have not yet happened, right? Jesus has not been born. He has not yet died on the cross in order to redeem his people. But yet Zechariah talks about these things as if they've already been accomplished. His confidence that God's promises will always come true. And so it comes true in the person of Jesus, who is the Emmanuel, God with us, and who has indeed come to his people. And he has redeemed them ultimately through the precious blood of Jesus shed on the cross. You see, Christmas looks forward to Easter. Christmas finds its meaning and its significance ultimately in the cross at Easter. That baby is born, but it doesn't stay a baby, right? He lives a life obedient to the Lord, even to the point of death on the cross. And so Christmas points forward to Easter and toward the redemption of Christ. And this child that is born is a newborn king who is mighty to save. At Christmas, we often... Think of God's work in terms of hope and peace and love and joy like we talk about with the Advent candles. Excuse me. And while those things are true, we ought, Zechariah here notes that, that with the birth of Jesus, it's the birth of a newborn king. A descendant of David, Israel's great king. God had promised to establish David's throne forever. And we see that it's ultimately fulfilled through Jesus. And we also see throughout uh, the birth narratives and the Gospels that, God's, that, that this newborn king was a threat to the existing power structures of its day. Although Jesus would later say that his kingdom was not of this world. King Herod, who was king over the area at the time, would even commit infant genocide in order to attempt to remove the threat of this newborn king. And so while we often think of Christmas in terms of those lovey-dovey kind of moments, right, and very sentimental about it, this is a very significant moment in history. A new king had been born, a king who had upset the power structures of its day, and a horn of salvation <clears throat> who would redeem his people. A horn was a symbol of power and strength. And so Zechariah is, is acknowledging here that Jesus is our mighty Savior, one who has come to save us from the power of sin and death. As I mentioned, Jesus recognized that his power, his his kingdom is not of this world. And so our fight is not against flesh and blood, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6. And in John 16, verse 33, uh, Jesus reminds disciples that he has overcome the world. What a great promise that the one, the Savior, the Messiah has come to save us, not to just make us feel good, right? Not to just have us have happy moments around a Christmas tree, but to save us from our sin, to release us from the power that sin has over our lives, 
and to help us uh, and to make peace with our God. The horn of salvation who has redeemed his people. Whatever you face today, whether it's doubts, whether you're struggling with sin or hopelessness, Jesus, the great Savior, has come to overcome it. And we have been saved for service. He says here that he has that the Messiah comes to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness. We are saved so that we can serve the Lord. It's a response to his great grace and love toward us. Excuse me. Remember that leads us to the last point here. Zechariah turns his attention to his son, John, who would strive to point people towards Jesus, and we should do the same. John's entire ministry was to prepare the way for Jesus, to point people to the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, to point people towards the tender mercy of God. John's entire life was spent pointing people towards Jesus, towards repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Recognizing that people need to turn away from their old lives and turn towards the Lord. We've talked a lot about grace over these last couple months. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Mercy is the flip side of that. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. What we do deserve is punishment and separation from God. But He has shown tender mercy towards us in giving us what we do not, not getting what we do deserve, which is separation from Him. Through Jesus, we have been made one again. And so we are called in this. We are called to prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah. We must continue the ministry of John the Baptist, pointing people towards Jesus. We must be ambassadors for this new kingdom and this new king. Second Corinthians five twenty says says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that is the message of Christmas, that God has made a way through his son so that we can be reconciled to him. And so we need to tell everyone we know, family, (coughs) excuse me, family, friends, this up in just a moment. (laughs) Tell everyone you know, Family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, random person at the grocery store. Tell everyone you know about the good news of Jesus Christ. That a new king has been born and a new kingdom that brings peace on earth and has goodwill towards men. And not just through our words, but through our actions as well. Let your life reflect the love of Christ and proclaim the gospel, just as John the Baptist did. And in doing so, as, as we live lives that reflect Christ's love, we can all praise God together for the great salvation that he has made available to us through Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you for helping me get through this sermon. (laughs) Thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, that a new king is born. And Lord, I pray that we may be like John the Baptist and proclaim the, the coming of the Lord and make his kingdom known. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song, number 138. Go tell it on the mountain. Number 138.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.